Welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help you find your freedom in every aspect of your business. Captivity comes in many forms, from stale, ineffective sales and marketing tactics, to outdated technology and workflows, to teams who are performing far less than their true capabilities. On this show, you'll hear compelling conversations with your peers in the insurance industry, as well as from top-shelf professionals in related fields who are leading the charge towards what's coming next. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the Agency Freedom Podcast, boys and girls. This is another episode coming to you live from our new office. And I have to apologize for those of you that are real sticklers for audio quality. Uh, My microphone is not set up like normal, so you get to hear good old laptop speakers and microphone uh, that uh, anyone... I usually get messages when I do something different. People are like, what's wrong with your mic? I was like, well, my mic is currently on the floor over here next to me. But you didn't come here to hear the mic. You came to hear from the guests. And for this episode, I don't have one guest. I have two. So you guys get to enjoy uh, double the fun. Keenan Rice and Jessica Holder from the great state of Illinois. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank hey, you. We're excited to be here. And let me specify on Illinois, we're from the very southern part of that great state. <laughs> very southern. So basically, what? Missouri, Kentucky? Kentucky. Now, what's, yeah. what's next to you? The Kentucky side? Okay. We're an hour from so Missouri, an hour from Kentucky. So we're kind of down in the bottom. So we can get to either side. You got as far away from Chicago as you possibly could, right? Damn right on that. There you go. Well, that, that is the perfect transition into asking you guys the, the origin story, you know, as insurance professionals and uh, how in the world did you end up working together, you know, both of you in the insurance world, who got here first, who pulled the other one in, or, or when you guys started doing life together, were both of you already in insurance? I'd love to hear all the details you're willing to share. And uh, Jessica, I'm going to ask you because ladies go first. I'm from the South. We do it right. So ladies first, how in the world did you get to this chapter of your life? So I grew up locally just in the town over from where we are and my family retailed manufactured housing. So I grew up in a sales environment, a service environment, building environment, and we had three locations in the Southern Illinois area and as well as in Missouri. Um, My dad was very big about having processes. We had guides cell phone scripts. He probably employed about 50 to 60 people at any given time. And there was very smooth processes. So when I grew up, I always knew that I wanted to be to to grow something and train people to make money and train people to have fun and what they do and and grow and and do their own thing. And, And eventually I got into insurance because I knew that it was a captive company with Country Financial. And I the long-term game was not to be with Country Forever. I had to learn something that could make me money because I worked in the newspaper business and there was no money in that. So I had to do something to make money to grow something. So I started mm-hmm. a country and I knew Keenan. He was also a country rep in the town I actually I lived in, but I was in another agency in another town. And we talked a lot and and then one thing led to the next and we dated and 
got pregnant and got married and quit our jobs <laughs> to go to go scratch and go independent because we wanted better for our families and for our clients. Whew. Man, oh, I love a juicy story. That has got to be Ke- Keenan. Man, I want to hear your side of this. I had no idea how you guys got together. I didn't know what what all this was. That is really fun. Keenan, how in the world did you go about asking out this young lady to uh, you know, to to see you after work hours and then one thing led to another? Tell that story, man. We'll get back to insurance, but the people want to know the relationship side of things. Just tell the truth. I'll, I'll give you the quick hitter. I grew up on a dairy farm in the town we work on now. Year 2000, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to be the next Garth Brooks. I failed, moved back home, went back to the dairy farm. We decided to get out of the dairy business. I found myself going to work. My parents were always huge in Farm Bureau, both my grandpa, my dad, my uncle. Went to work for Country Financial, worked there a while. Not my manager, but another manager called one day and said, Keenan, do you know this Jessica Holder? I said, I mean, yeah, I know her. I don't know her well. He goes, you think she'd make a good rep? And I said, well, I guarantee people want to meet with her. She's pretty good looking. And it was kind of a running joke. And they hired her. And uh, so we got to talking more and more and more and strategizing and talking shop. And she wouldn't leave me alone. And I finally mm-hmm. gave in. A funny story along the way, I had a recruiter from Big Red call and say, hey, there's going to be an opening in this town. Would you be interested? I said, no, but I know this girl that's a that's a country rep in that town, and they might be very interested. So call her. Well, the recruiter called her, and she said, "No, I'm not interested, but I know this guy that might be really interested." And she called me <laughs> back and said, "You told me to call her. She told me to call you. What's up?" And I was like, "Well, I guess we're not interested in the job." So we just kind of grew a relationship over time, and talking about work ended up um, dating, ended up getting pregnant, ended up getting married, and. She wanted to quit her job, and I just kind of had the ground rules. Look, you have a nice little car, and I have a nice truck. If we quit our job, I might end up back in the coal mines. Might have to do something like that if we fail. But uh, for sure, they're going to repo your car before they repo my truck. But I'll do whatever it takes. doesn't matter to me. So we just knew nothing, had no money, quit our jobs in September, Finally got an agency up and rolling through the help of VIAA and SIAA in November. Had my first contract turn on on the 8th, wrote a little bit of business. We went to the hospital the next day, had a baby on the 12th of November, came home. I left for work and she was at home trying to figure out a baby she never had. I had already had three kids, but uh, now we have six kids between the uh, two of us. I have three older boys, 24 21 and 17. And then we have the three kids, five, four, and one. So we just completed our fifth year and we have three kids to show for it. And we just celebrated our fifth anniversary, um, July 1st. So about a half a year ago now, Man. but, uh, that's how we got to where we are. And, uh, it's life is exciting. That's all I can tell you. Man. I, a little known fact about me, Keenan, I am an absolute sap for a good love story. I think it is so fun to hear the human side. You know, we could talk shop all day long. We could talk about marketing and operations and all kinds of stuff. AI, embedded, whatever. You know, ag, like we're going to talk about here a little bit in this episode, some farm stuff. But I would love to hear how in the world did you pivot when you finally moved in the direction of 
all right, we're work friends. We like each other, but now we're more than work friends. How in the world did you pivot in a work environment and go, hey, you want to get dinner later? Like, how did that come about? I'm going to tell you a funny story. She ran a restaurant in the small town that I worked in and she grew up in because I started in one town and moved 15 miles over to this one. But I had a, my mentor agent, a guy named Larry Woodside, taught me everything to know. He's a Hall of Fame agent with country, just a multitude of knowledge. We ate lunch together all the time, shared an office with him. And we went to this restaurant called Courtside one day. And he goes, now, right there's a girl. She comes from a good family. You ought to uh, you ought to check into her. I said, Larry, I got three kids. And in case you didn't notice, she drives a Mercedes. She don't want nothing to do with me. I'm just a redneck, barely making it. You know, but then fast forward later, ended up when we began to kind of realize what was going on. I told her multiple times she probably needs to have a younger and more wealthy um guy than me because I just don't know that she'll ever be happy with me. And she finally convinced me that I just need to forget about that. And we had some help along the way, but, uh, you know, we have one special friend that probably put us together that's still stuck in the captive world that won't listen to us, but that's okay. But, uh, we finally, she convinced me that, uh, this is going to work out. So the rest is history. It was really her, not, not me. Um, I was flattered by it, but I just thought, ah, oh, she'll never be happy with me. I'm old. You know, I got kids. I'm kind of a redneck. And she's definitely not a redneck and not old and didn't have any kids. But, uh, hey, you never know what works. And it actually worked out for us. So, Man, I love that. And I think she would probably give you a hard time for being so self-deprecating because apparently she saw enough in you to say, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, dude. I get uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I happen to be a big fan of Keenan Rice. I think you're pretty cool. So, well, no, no it's like, I got to get this guy on my podcast. He he seems like he's got great energy, great sense of humor, doesn't take himself too seriously. You're like an older, wiser, more Illinois version of me a little bit, you know? It's like, <laughs> no. Love it, man. So uh, I'm, I'm going to transition here just a little bit. Country Financial is was a great organization. Lots and lots and lots of agents across the country. Danielle Smink out of Arizona uh, was a big time country agent before she started what is now CL Select Agencies. I've heard a lot of really good things about country and a lot of not really good things about country. Tell me about your experience leaving that world. You turned down Big Red for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is you never actually own your book. and You're not an agency owner. You're a glorified caretaker and manager. And it's a good opportunity for some, but not a good opportunity for a lot of people. So you saw through that, you chose to do your own scratch thing, which five years ago, going pure scratch was a different story than it is now. SIA is a wonderful organization. I, of course, am well-documented SIAA fan. Sure. Talk about that experience of leaving an exclusive carrier, a solid exclusive carrier with great training, great support, and doing your own thing in the middle of third trimester pregnancy Figuring out this, you know, new relationship, maybe new. I don't know how long you guys have been together at that point. So walk me through that. What was that experience like? You want good, we've got good cop, bad cop. You want good cop or bad cop first? I'll let you guys decide who goes first. Well, mine's quick. I was with Country for 12 years. I, in all honesty, they're a great company. It's different. There's a very defined ceiling, as you know, as a captive agent. You know, there's yep. a very, you you can only get so big. I enjoyed my time. I loved the people. 
I loved winning the trips, getting to go on vacation with friends and having the camaraderie at meetings and different things. That's something I love. You know, I never really thought about growing an insurance agency, growing an asset like we've been able to do, ever dreamed of having an opportunity to make the kind of money you can make with an independent agency. That was something that was never on my radar. I just wanted to pay the bills and raise my kids. And, uh, you know, I play music as a hobby and, and enjoy those type things. But, you know, and it served me well for that. I had a, a, a great job that gave me freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And I could make some great money and got to go on some cool trips. So I was a fan. I never would have left if it wasn't for her. You know, she has a much different take on the captive thing that I do, but she was right. So I'll, after saying she was right, I'll let her take off and go from there. He's right. The country has great training and there are some real superstars in country that, that are very good at organizing their business and running their, their office as a business. But there is that ceiling. And at the end of the day, your name is never going to be on that door. You're a, you're a, a a you're, tenant. you're a tenant yeah. and they they call you a 1099, own your own business, but that's never going to be your business. So there's things you have to follow that are, they treat you like you don't know how to run a business and they want you to follow their ways of, of running a business and their ways hiring. Uh, for example, I had hired somebody to make outgoing calls for me. She was 17 years old and I had to have my manager sign off on it. He would not sign off on it because he said she was too young and I threw a fit and finally he signed off on it. But it was all these little, little things that, that would come up that were just silly roadblocks, I thought. So when Keenan left, my manager came to my office that day because everybody talks, everybody knows and said, either you're going to resign or we're going to do this the hard way. Well, I just wanted to get out. I'm not going to sit in there and just milk my commission for another half a month. Great. I'm out. Here's my letter. Have a good life. Wow. Love that. I've, I've never understood when people that have no leverage, uh, that have a, a weak position, try to strong arm somebody. And it's like, okay, well, I'm capped out here. I don't particularly like being here anyway. But sure, try to strong arm me. See yeah. how that works for you. Yeah. Well, there, you know, I was there a long time and there were, I was the guy that, you know, makes the all-star team every once in a while, one of you, what they call All-Americans. I was nowhere near a top producer. The biggest thing I worried about was taking care of my kids. I raised all three of my boys by myself, and uh, that was my focus. I had a great way to make money, but I was nowhere near a top producer. Jessica came in. You know, she was the, the new agent of the year, won the accolades, won the awards. One of the last things we did together is go to San Francisco on a trip where you'll get a kick out of this. We both won the trip individually. We didn't take anybody, so they already saved two plane tickets there, yet they wanted to skimp on us and not give us the cash rewards we both earned. Like, we only have one cash reward because, you know, you didn't, I'm like, no, there should be two, you know? <laughs> but that's one of the last things we did together. And, and, you know, they really rolled out the red carpet for her. I was just the guy in the background. And part of that, and the reason it worked so well is, I wanted to do everything myself and run my own shop. Didn't want any help. I didn't have systems. I didn't have processes. I was just winging it, you know, and did a great job with it. But, um, you know, she had the systems, had the processes, had a defined way to do everything. And the way I did business wasn't scalable. The way she did business yeah. is scalable. 
which is the reason we've had such great growth. I'm a, I'm a people person. I love to talk to people, love to meet people. I'm just hoping we can soon get back big enough where we can hire a CEO and all I got to be is a producer and all I have to do is sell and service farm insurance. That is my desperate plea. And I'm closer and closer every day. So hopefully, maybe next year, I no longer have to be an agency manager or whatever the heck it is. I'm just an owner who is a producer, you know. But yeah. I think with with them, they never think you're actually going to walk away from something because we didn't have any other income. So they were probably thinking, they ain't never going to leave here. Well, we're just dumb enough to walk away with no money to buy diapers and formulas and pray to God we can keep the lights on. But, you know, we did it. Um, hmm. A lot of credit. Yes, you did. A lot of personal loans, but uh, we're on the other side. We built a significant book of business, and it's only up from here. So, now I have to ask before we move forward in the conversation: since you were so self-deprecating earlier, what's it like being red carpet arm candy, <laughs> Keenan? Well, you know the funny thing was when we were on the All American, they had a surprise guest. Michael Bolton came in and did a private concert for you know 100, 150 people, and we happened to be seated at the center table in the front with the guy that was the head of agency because I think they had a lot of faith in her and saw her as somebody that would move up the chain throughout the system, you know, and uh, I was probably just a roadblock for all of that and dead weight. That's the way they saw me. He's just dead weight. You got to get rid of him. And that was kind of my feeling too, but she didn't listen. Well, I'm surprised they let us sit at the same table because another issue I had is when there was, when there was banquets, when I won new agent of the year, we couldn't sit at the same table together because it was not within our agency. Things like that. Yeah. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about our agency, yeah. not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. I, I couldn't help but let that question come out because the idea of you being in a, a formal attire with a big grin on your face, like that just warms my soul. So. Me being in formal is awkward enough. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A guy from rural Illinois, all, you know, on stage with all the cameras and all that stuff. I bet you that was quite a sight. Uh, yeah. So, as you said, we are here to talk about insurance at some point in this podcast. Sure. You know, transitioning into Scratch Agency, you choose SIAA. Let me just click there for just a moment before we talk about some tactics and stuff that you guys have uh, in your agency. Why SIAA? What is it about that opportunity that you found attractive? What There's a lot of aggregators out there, lots of organizations that want to help retail agents. Why'd you pick SIAA? Well, you won't believe this, but when we quit, I felt guilty doing anything before we quit. So we just thought we'll start an independent agency knowing zero about it. I wouldn't do anything till I left because I felt guilty. So we quit and I had a I guess you'd say a salesperson from VIAA come by my office, leave a card. And at the time she said, Hey, you want to get, I'd love to talk to you. And I said, listen, I'm already top of the food chain. I'm a captive agent. I am not going bottom of the barrel to be an independent agent. And I didn't know what I was talking about naturally, but I, you know, she had came and talked to us once and gave us the list of here's the top 10 aggregators, you know, alliances, whatever you want to call it, you know? And I began to call every single one of them, Outside of the SAA, you know, network that we had here, not one person called us back. We met with an agency owner who said, you need to get with a great company like Erie. Now, I don't know if we can even say we are appointed with Erie now, but at the time they didn't call us back. I mean, I talked to a couple of the carriers, Safeco and Nationwide individually, and they're like, yeah, well, we can, 
maybe work with you, but you sell a quarter of a million dollars. And if not, you're done at the end of the year. And I'm thinking, this does not sound good. So, you know, Jessica was very suspicious of why are we going to give somebody else a cut of what we did? But we went up and met with them in St. Louis. And it, I, we can't say enough about the organization and the support we get from them. And the family, and I kind of get some of that camaraderie with those agents that we had on the captive side. So it's great mm-hmm. for me. We've taken some trips and, and got to know some agency owners better, very close to some other SIA agency owners that are a part of our network here. And they were pretty well the only ones that gave us a time of day. Nobody else would call us back. I mean, literally nobody. They didn't want anything to do with us, even though we both said, hey, we had these books captive. We've been in the business. We've been successful. They don't care. But uh, it was kind of the only one we had. But thank God, because it was probably the best case scenario for us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful relationship for us. Can't say enough about it. What's your take on it now, Jessica? You you had resistance at the beginning. And what do you think about this whole aggregator SIA thing? What, what's been your perspective as a skeptic on the front end? So I know that it can depend on which SIAA group they oh, yeah. and that defined yep. experience. So I was very suspicious at the front because I'm thinking, I don't want anybody else to own this but us. You know, we're going to work hard. We want to own it. And and you do. Now, there's a contract, whatever. There's always a contract. They've provided more than just carrier contracts. They su- provide support when it comes to technology, support when it comes to hiring, firing, anything you do in the business. They're just a whole resource of, of things for us to help run our business. There's events networking. We're getting with those other agents. Every Friday, we have a call. Friday mornings, we do a call. It's a different topic. It's on Zoom. We chat about different things. It's been it's been great. I was a skeptic, but I'm a believer now. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. No, that's fantastic. It it really does depend on which part of the country you're in because there are some groups that are not as good as others. I think the national organization has done a really good job of buying out the really bad ones and taking them over to make sure that the you know the brand of SIAA is improved. Yeah, that's definitely probably the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Enough about them. I want to hear about you guys because we, Keenan, the main reason why I started thinking, well, I got to get this guy on. And then of course, Jessica came to the picture and was like, oh, I definitely got to get these two on. This, this is great energy here. The main thing that I wanted to talk about was your, your niche because you guys are doing some different stuff even different than other Midwest agencies, because I've had you know, Vonda Copeland on, I've had Nikki Ostrander on, and both of them are you know Midwest agencies. They, they are geographically very similar uh, as far as like farm and crop and livestock. It's, it's a big part of the insurance world in the Midwest. But you are way more into 
that niche than any other agent we've ever had on this podcast. So I'd, I'd love to hear about your background. It was dairy farm, right? Was yeah, that? I, I grew up on a dairy farm. Uh, my family's always been involved in agriculture. I, I don't think there are some differences between the farm niche and you know construction or habitational like you do, maybe restaurants, entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of things are the same. Um, one thing I will tell you, people just don't jump into farm one day. They've been there their whole life. Their dad was there. Their grandpa was there. Their great grandpa was there. So you just can't walk in and pull the wool over their eyes. Um, if you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to farming or you're a, what they call, you know, a poser or whatever you call, they can call you out pretty quick. You know, maybe in some other areas with contractors or habitational, you can get a few key lines that really pique interest and make them feel like, hey, they really know what they're talking about. But in farm, they just know right out of the gate from the moment you get out of your vehicle and walk up to talk to them. If you're saying you're from the farm and you're within an hour, well, what's your name? Because if they don't recognize your name, they already know you're lying. I'm very fortunate to come from a great family with a very good reputation. Uh, My grandpa, my dad, very active in Farm Bureau. Uh, my dad, when I was growing up, he was the national president of the Soil and Water Conservation Districts. There's a Soil and Water Conservation District in every single county in America. And my dad was the president of all of them. So he has contacts over farm everywhere. He's very well known in my state, in my area. So it's kind of a calling card, you know, but a calling card on a niche doesn't help you if you don't know anything about insurance. So my, I guess the, the advantage for me is Hey, I've been in the business 15 years. I get the insurance side. I get the farming side. Nobody else can put that together for you like I can. So that has been a thing. Now, farms are very, very hard to get into. You just don't walk up to a guy that's been insured by the same place for 30 years, sometimes the same person, and just get him to say, yeah, I'll try you out for a year or two. Doesn't matter. Money doesn't even matter. If you get some farmers that are spending 50, 60, 100,000 a year on insurance premiums, you can tell them you're going to save $10,000, but they don't care. A $10,000 check being written is nothing to a farmer. Some of them are already paying 25% more for a certain color of tractor over another color just because that's their brand. So it's not really about money. I think it's about knowledge and expertise, but you got you to gotta have a good reputation and, a, and, a, and give them a really good reason to sit down with you in the first place. But knock on wood, my fake wood desk here maybe. I started writing farm insurance five years ago. Nationwide is my largest carrier and does a great job. I have yet to lose a farm account that I wrote. I'm not saying that I won't lose some. Obviously, this is a tough time. We're seeing a lot of changes with policies, especially in all parts of the industry, but with farm as well. I could lose one next month. I don't know, but I've been fortunate to keep every single client I've wrote over five years. Nobody is going out to ask for farm business. And I mean, nobody. Most of them will say, well, I've never had anybody stop and ask to take care of my insurance. So that's different. I don't do crop insurance, which is a huge part of farm insurance. I just do the autos, the liability, farm equipment, structures, that type thing. I have a great partner on farm insurance where I take care of their business. We kind of cross back and forth, sending people each other's way. And finally, this morning, I spent some time on a call with the Land of Your Legacy program with Nationwide. And I'm going to get diving back into the estate planning. We're actually setting up in a seminar um, for the end of February where I hope to have 30 to 50 people come. We could end up with 80 to 100. I don't know. 
to talk specifically about transitioning your operation from one generation to the next and the challenges that occur there. And, uh, you know, from a financial services standpoint, um, every August we do a farm appreciation event, which is, it's free beer and free food, a bunch of door prizes, a lot of agribusiness vendors giving stuff away. You know, the last couple of years, we've had about 200 people each there. The weather was a challenge this year being a billion degrees and it was kind of on a patio area. So that didn't help, but, uh, that event's grown for us every year. And when farmers realize that we're really not giving you a presentation, just come drink beer, eat, talk to your friends, meet some vendors. I pretty well just shake hands and say hello and don't get much of a chance to talk to anybody. But uh, that's been a great tool for us to grow our farm book as well. So, Love that. Talk to me a little bit about crop. What's the decision there to not do crop? I'm sure it was very intentional to carve out that piece. I'll, I'll be totally transparent. I don't know the first thing about crop insurance. The farm and ranch and crop is one area that I have have not spent one second studying. So maybe it's a dumb question. Maybe crop is just so different that you really have to love crop to be in it. Uh, What's the thought process there? Uh, Most of the crop agencies only do crop and they don't do anything else. Some people kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But crop is something from my standpoint, I don't want to invest a ton of money into crop insurance. Because if I invest a ton of money to build the book, the government pays 50% of the premiums that are paid on crop insurance, period, on, on crop insurance. And to the best of my knowledge, that is still commissionable, even the part that the government's paying. Now, at any given time, the government could come up and pull the rug out from under you. They could stop covering half the premium, stop paying you commission on that. It's so controlled, just like what we saw with the healthcare industry and the health insurance industry. There's a whole lot of people that spend a lot of time building a health insurance book. And after the ACA, the value of that book drastically changed. And I didn't want to build something I felt like could go away at any time. And so that's why I stayed away from it and found a great partner that offers crop insurance and is very knowledgeable. And uh, so that's the route that I went there. I just didn't know it, didn't want to get to know it, really don't have any interest in getting into it. You know, I just want to do the the uh, structures and equipment, you know, the homes, the auto, liability, that stuff. Plenty of money to be made there already. So I don't need to get greedy. Makes sense. Jessica, walk me through a typical day in your world. What do you find yourself doing? How do you and Keenan split up the pie so each of you gets to do stuff that you're good at, that you enjoy? So there's a good rule to that. We communicate with each other. We have meetings with each other, just like we would have a meeting as if we were just partners that weren't married, but we stay in our lane. We definitely stay in our lane. Keenan works with his farm clients. If it's a large commercial lead, he sometimes works with that. He does handle paying bills. On my end, I'm working on operations, training for the agency, maybe doing phone scripts, working with our carriers, working with our tech partners. So if there's um, something that the girls want in the office, say, man, I wish that I could put this information here and it populate over here. Well, that's when I get on the phone with Casey Nelson from Stackwise. I get we he's my tech guy, and I say, "Hey, how do we make yeah. this happen?" So I'm the problem solver and just try to make all of our stuff talk to each other and make sure we have the right tech in place, the right carrier partners in place. That I'm very nice to our carrier partners and nice to our tech, and just building the relationships on that end. Love it. Perfect opportunity to say. Shout out to Casey Nelson and Stackwise for fractional technology officer stuff. Casey's 
great. I love him. He's he's about an hour down the road from me here in North Texas. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are the challenges you guys are facing right now? The the hard market, of course, is impacting everybody. What have you guys found to be some of the the ways that you're staying in front of everybody shopping and everybody looking to, to cut costs and and you know stay profitable in their businesses? How are you guys being proactive in, in your success? Well, we we do have a full time renewal specialist that does nothing but shop renewals. I create the list and load it into Agency Zoom, which Jessica kind of manages all the process of it. But I still create the list and get it in there so I know what I want to review and what we want her to review. But she's a full-time person um, that does nothing but renewal shopping and stuff like that. Um, But it it is tough. You know, we're dealing with limited market. We have five carriers right now that can package business. And then we have two individual, we have one auto carrier and one home carrier that you'd consider preferred. And I don't have to say who the home carrier is, but right now that's a freaking mess with 60, 70, 80, 100% increases everywhere. And this carrier, I know as a carrier, you were very big on, as were we just a couple short years ago, but uh, we built a significant book and it's causing us a lot of work right now. And having limited markets for Mm -hmm. homes has been a challenge. So, um, you know, we had a great third quarter. Um, I mean, I'm not afraid to tell you, we we averaged about $100,000 of new business premium four months in a row going into October. And we just hit a wall in October. Mm. And in the fourth quarter, we only did about $150,000 of new business premium. And I know a lot of people say, well, Mm. that ain't much, or maybe that sounds like a lot. But I tell people, you can't gauge what you're doing off somebody else. You know, we talked a little bit on the previous, the pre-call we did, James, about we're in a very, very rural area. There ain't many people out here. So you write fifty or $100,000 of premium in a month here, it's a big deal. You know, you write fifty or $100,000 in premium as a commercial agency in Dallas, Texas, or Chicago, Illinois, maybe it ain't a big deal. But we're in a very limited area. But we just saw our new business you know, just hit a brick wall in the fourth quarter. And that was tough because our payrolls and our, our staffing levels are all built on us continuously being able to put up a hundred thousand in new business premium every single month, you know, and that stopped for us. You know, we do have a commercial producer that came in um, late in the summer. He was actually a commercial client of ours who still owns a business and he's done a great job. But all he knows about the insurance business is the type market because he's only been involved, you know, for a few months. But uh, he's had great success in spite of the marketing opportunities that we have, you know, but he, he gets sick of hearing, no, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. So it's been tough, but we have a wonderful staff in place. And, uh, you know, I kind of got off the tangent starting with renewal specialist, but uh, it's been a challenge to keep the old business and to write the new business. And I guess, you know, when it comes to renewal business, a lot of people say, I don't know why you would apply all that payroll or a whole person to do that. They're going to want to shop, they shop. If they want to stay, they're going to call you. You know, at the end of the day, if it was my mother's policy, my parents, my grandparents, her parents, my aunt, whatever it is, um, I want to treat every single customer like that. So if we can help them, we want to help them. And if they leave and if maybe we brought attention to the fact the increase was there in advance, causing them to leave, I still think we did the right thing. 
because if you know the premiums are going up 25, 30, 40%, we want to be looking and trying to make sure, hey, this is the best we have to offer. And if we did went through the process of giving them the best we had to offer and they leave anyway, there's no hard feelings. You know, we we get clients, we lose clients all the time. You just be appreciative for the time you had them, you treat them right, and guess what? Are they going to come back? Maybe, maybe not. But if you're nice and you don't make it feel like a big deal and you don't and you you just thank them for their time when you did have them, they're a heck of a lot more likely to come back next year when the, the things change because mm-hmm. we've in our short five years got clients, lost clients and wrote them again. So sometimes you keep them for 10, 12, 15 years. Sometimes they come and go once or twice in a five or 10 year period. But the farm is the long play. I mean, that business is very, 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 very sticky. So as we build that, that really undergirds our industry. And it's about 25% of our overall premium volume is just farm business. You know, and the rest is probably, I don't know, 60% commercial, and 15% or no, 60% personal yeah, lines and probably 15% commercial. So that's where we're at on our splits. So in the place of the country where you guys are at, I think you said it was like 20,000 people were in your county. Is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So what does expansion look like for you? Because you've obviously you've identified farm as being the best way that you can skin the cat, as they say. I would imagine if you ran EBITDA numbers and, and net operating income and profit off of the various focuses you guys have, you'd probably find that farm is very profitable as well, if I had to guess, right? Yeah, it's the two carriers that we had a lot of our farm business with treated us very well last year from a contingency standpoint. And uh, then we're actually seeing our one of our big carriers that has a lot of farm with us. He's coming in Monday. So the contingency season mm-hmm. begins on Monday for us. And we can't be more excited about that. And mm. I you understand that. Love that. But yes, I do. I feel like because we're so rural, nobody pays attention. And there aren't a ton of a million plus revenue books around here. There's a whole lot of less than $500,000 revenue books. We did buy an agency our second year in the mm-hmm. business, believe it or not. But by the time we bought that agency, we were four, 15 months in. We were already a larger agency than the one we were buying 15 months starting from scratch. So we kind of feel like there is some opportunity because until you hit that million, really nobody else is looking at you to buy it. We've seen a lot of regional carriers shrivel up and die. We kind of feel like there's a great opportunity for expansion by buying some books around us, you know, and bringing that small town feel and just replicating that maybe 20 miles away or 30 miles away or whatever. And uh, we think there is, a, you know, some opportunity for expansion through that because if your plan to grow your book is personal lines right now, my God, have fun with that. Cause that's a tough, that's a tough thing. You write a lot, but there's probably a lot going out the back door. It's a very tough time on personal lines, but we do have a commercial specialist and I'm continuing to write farm uh, business. So that's, that's a great avenue for growth for us. But, you know, I, I mean, we feel like there's a great, we feel like we've talked before. We feel like we ought to be able, be able to buy one agency a year for the next five years and have great terms as far as owner financing yep. and be able to pay them based on renewables, you know, 
because I just don't think a lot of people yeah. are out there wanting to buy agencies. Not in our area, at least, because everybody's 60 and 70 that's in the business. There's very, very few young people in the business, period, around here. Love it. You know, it is so cool to talk with folks that have clearly identified and articulated their path to continued success like you and Jessica have. It's it's inspiring. I love it. You know, I, I have big ideas and plans that I'm working on, but a lot of them haven't happened yet. Yours have. It's really cool to see you guys succeeding in a very different way than I'm succeeding, which is just a testament to the beauty of this industry, right? Well, so. it, it is. And James, you're very open about your business. I, I remember at times you shared, hey, here's where I was last year. Here's how much I've grown this year. And I know we've kind of communicated back and forth through Facebook Messenger, but I can't tell you how much it means to me to have a guy as what I would say, one of the more respected talking heads in the industry. Maybe I don't know if that is that how you say that. <laughs> but just on, so, yeah. on your openness and your honesty and, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's the challenges that I have. And, you know, here's things I did. I wish I would have done differently. And this, my God, this is a tough, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of potential in it, but growing this agency, you know, you listen to this podcast, maybe it incorrectly we're making it sound easy, but my God, this has been a lot. Um, it's tough to do this. It's tough to grow. Like yeah. I said, I, I'm a good, I'm a great producer. If it was just me producing, I think I could produce with anyone anywhere, but I'm never going to replicate that and grow an agency. And that's why we're a great team because she's the one that says, all right, here's the process that we need to bring other people in to learn how to do these things. And we can continue to replicate the process and grow. And I'm over here saying, just leave me alone and let me sell farms. I just want to get to the point where I can pay somebody else to do all this other stuff. I don't want to do it. But I really appreciate yep. you know, the openness that you've shared, even on your podcast, talking about the stress and anxiety that comes with it, because that's a real deal for us. And yep. fourth quarter was rough for us. We probably could have managed our money a little bit better earlier in the year to make it better for ourselves. But man, it's a challenge to grow this. But you know, we just have to constantly remind ourselves that we're not here for uh, the, you know, what are we going to make today? What are we going to make this year? We're here for where are we going to be five years from now, in 10 years from now, in 15 years, 20 years from now. And to yeah. have an opportunity as an independent agency owner to really say, hey, you know, we could create a business that, that brings in $5 million of revenue every single year. To me, that's unthinkable. You know, I when we started this, I thought it would be me and Jessica and maybe one other person. And, you know, we'd sell some insurance, sell some life insurance and make a good income. I had no idea. She knew, you know, she paid a little more attention and could see it. But I just, I had no idea the opportunity that this was. And it is a great opportunity, but it sure as hell ain't for the faint of heart, you know? <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. You know, I, I promised you guys around 40 minutes of recording time, and uh, we're about there. Uh, Jessica, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there any, anything we haven't covered that you wanted to? Is there any message that you want to get out or anything you want to unpack uh, as we start to land the plane? I think Keenan put it well, is it's not about today. We have rough days. We have rough weeks, months, might have a rough year. But it really is that that long game and just keeping your eye in the future and building your processes for the future too. Because when we were a small little bitty agency, we still used specific processes as if we were a big agency. 
or an agency the size we are now. So when we grow, we're going to be ready to grow and handle that bandwidth because of the processes we have in place. No, I, I love that. And I don't know if it's a James original or if I stole it from somebody, but I found myself saying over and over again over the years, you know, if you act big before you're big, you'll get big faster. I agree. And just having those, you know, having systems and processes, I mean, it's just about everything, right? Operational standards, internal stakeholders and external stakeholders, they love predictability. They love knowing what to expect from your office. And yeah, that's that's awesome. I love it. Now, Keenan, any last words before we wrap this thing up? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I just we're, we're honored that you thought about enough <laughs> thought enough about us to think maybe somebody else would want to hear from us. I I love I love the war stories of the insurance agency building, and you know, I think I mentioned to yep. you one time. You said, "Hey, what do you want to hear? I want to hear from agency owners." I want to hear about the people that got into debt up in their eyeballs, but it finally started working out. And, you know, that one day couldn't buy groceries and the next they're, you know, feeding people at a homeless shelter every week. You know, those are the things that I want to hear. Those are the exciting things for us to know that other people are out there in the fight because it was very different in a captive world. You talk to a lot of people and you get on the the independent side and you feel like you're a lone lone ranger out there. Nobody else is going through this. Who do I call? You know, so it is great to have a community, you know, through podcast or through Facebook, have a lot of mutual Facebook friends and agency owner friends, but uh, yep. that makes it wonderful. But, you know, keep doing what you do. And I, I still remember your first episode I listened to and what I was doing when you were, I was walking my dog, you know, and I was out walking my dog out on some of our property when I was listening to your first uh, podcast. I think you were talking about the, per- the process of selling the farmer's book and, and get yep. the new stuff rolling, but I can, well, I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember I've, I don't know that I've listened to every podcast, but I've definitely listened to probably two thirds of them more than my share of them. And I yeah. just appreciate what you're doing and keep up the good work. And uh, we're honored. I appreciate to be the kind words, here. man. So. No, I will say you are going to be really happy with the next batch of episodes because I, Full transparency with all this anxiety and panic attack stuff and moving offices and getting ready for all of that. I started releasing a lot of episodes without recording new ones. So usually I'm two or three months ahead of whatever the release is. But this is the first one that I've recorded in a while since December. And I'm out of batched episodes. So you guys are actually dropping... A week from, what's today? Wednesday? You guys are actually dropping a week from Friday. and But between now and the end of February, I'm recording 14 episodes in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all agency owners. All of them are agency owners. I just got on LinkedIn. It was like, holy crap, I'm out of episodes. I got to record a bunch of stuff. So here we we are. We just hope your podcast viewership recovers after launching our episode next week. (laughs) Yeah. Whew, man, I don't know. I, I, I may need a, a Red Bull after this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So. Hey, guys, I really appreciate your valuable time and the insight that you've provided on a subject that, again, I know almost nothing about. Farm insurance is, is an animal that I have never tried to, uh, to tackle. So uh, he is Keenan Rice and she is Jessica Holder. And they hail from the great state of Illinois, very, very, very southern Illinois. 
And this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. Talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review if you like what you hear. Those subs and reviews are actually super important for our reach to new listeners. Get your copy of my book, Leaving Captivity, on Amazon or Audible for the audiobook version. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your thoughts, questions, ideas, and general feedback to us at podcast at jamesjenkins.com. Agency Freedom is produced and distributed by podsquad.fm. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.